Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope that all of you are having fabulous Mondays, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. It is time for Outkick the Show. Uh, and we got a lot to dive into as uh, a little bit of a refresher. Every Monday during football season is College Football Monday on Outkick the Show. Uh, that is, by and large, I will react to everything that happened in college football on Monday. On Tuesday, I will react to everything that is completed in the NFL because we still have Monday Night Football tonight. So I will then, unless there's something truly crazy on the field that we have to react to, Tuesday will be NFL Reaction Day. So if you're out there and you're like, oh, I want to know what Clay thinks about college football, I want to know what Clay thinks about the NFL – because uh, you're a longtime OutKick listener. Uh, Monday, college football reaction. Tuesday, NFL reaction. And with that in mind, let's dive right into reacting to college football. Game of the weekend. It was the most watched Notre Dame game on NBC in 30 years. Ohio State on the road against Notre Dame. And I had wake up the echoes tight I was ready to celebrate the biggest win in Notre Dame history uh, in the past several decades when Ohio State scored on the final play. They convert, what was it, a third and 19? And I know there were only 10 players on the field, and there's been a lot of focus on that. To me, this game was lost on the final full possession that Notre Dame had. I'm not counting the one with one second left. I'm talking about the final possession where they're trying to run out the clock. And on on first down, right after they gained 10 yards running the ball right up the middle, they appear to do some sort of read option play uh, with Sam Hartman and the running back. It felt way too complicated. Uh, they get blown up. They lose three or four yards, and I think that threw them off the down and distance chains and caused them to do a decision that I'm sure they have looked at when they went back over the film, they shouldn't have tried the screen pass on second down, okay? I know we can always go back and Sunday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, in real time, I said, what are you doing? That allowed Ohio State not to have to use their last timeout. And as a result, Ohio State was able to use it when Notre Dame got the intentional grounding penalty. That would have effectively ended the game uh, if they had not had that timeout left to avoid the 10-second runoff. Uh, so that, to me, was the decision that Marcus Freeman made that I look back on and say, that was a really poor decision. You should have been trying to run out the clock. Let them use the timeouts there. Uh, you were running the ball uh, like right down their throat. Notre Dame took over in the second half. Now, credit to Ohio State. They score on the final play of the game narrowly get across the goal line, and then Ryan Day goes off on Lou Holtz. I, really? Lou Holtz is 86 years old. Are you really that riled up 
by what Lou Holtz said about Ohio State and about Notre Dame. I, I don't think that Ryan Day is a very likable guy in terms of his public persona. I don't know Ryan Day personally. I don't know anything at all about him. But to be that fired up after that huge win, to need to attack an 86-year-old former national championship winning coach, felt very strange to me uh, by Ryan Day, that that would be his reaction, that you need motivation from an 86-year-old head coach where when you score on the final play of the game and have just won an incredible victory on the road in an iconic environment like that in South Bend, that your first reaction is to go after Lou Holtz? I thought it was very strange. Um, Notre Dame, to me, under Marcus Freeman, big picture, they're on uh, a, a very strong upward trajectory. I know they didn't win this game, and I'm not sold still on the Ohio State offense, even with Marvin Harrison. Uh, I'm just not sold on them being elite right now on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively they're very good. Uh, I, I would even argue that this interplay that we're going to see between Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan in the Big Ten East is going to be fascinating to see how all of that shakes out as we go forward. Uh, but I think the big picture takeaway is Notre Dame is going to be really good under Marcus Freeman. They're recruiting well. Uh, they, uh, I believe, are going to be a playoff contender for the next several years as we are moving to 12 teams beginning next year. I also think, big picture, college football is in a good place. And we'll talk a little bit about Colorado and Oregon. and all. There's a lot of interest in college football. As I just mentioned, Notre Dame, Ohio State, nearly setting uh, a 30-year record. They said this was the most watched NBC did Ohio, uh, Notre Dame game since Florida State Notre Dame going all the way back to, I think it was 1993. That was the Catholics versus convicts game, if, if I remember correctly. Uh, sorry, the Florida, sorry, Florida State uh, Notre Dame, 93. It was a huge game too. But going all the way back that far, 30 years, uh, according to the release, speaks to, I think, college football being in a good place and NIL and the transfer portal helping rather than hurting the overall amount of interest. And I think when you go to 12-team playoff, there's going to be even more interest. All right, Colorado, Oregon. Colorado, Dan Lanning, they came out and they dominated. They recorded his pregame speech. Uh, they get up 42-0. It was 35-0 at the half. At one point, they were outgaining Colorado like 475 to 40 yards. I mean, it was an utter beatdown. Um, and it was such a beatdown that the story coming out of this game was that Dan Lanning was somehow engaging in racist behavior by beating Colorado. This is crazy, okay? And the usual suspects kind of started to intimate this. I'm sure there's some who have said it outright. Wanting to beat your opponent and using every possible shred of motivation in order to beat them is the foundation of sports. And Dion and his team have talked a lot of smack. And as a result, that has, I believe, motivated a lot of their opponents. You almost saw it in week three when Colorado was very lucky to get past Colorado State as a monster three-plus touchdown favorite. And they got completely and totally waxed. Now, we'll see. I'm going to put up my gambling picks tomorrow. I'm about to go make them, send them into OutKick. Uh, but if you think 
that there is something improper about the way Oregon and Dan Lanning conducted themselves, you really need to get outside of the racial prism. The goal in college football is to win no matter who the opponent is, black, brown, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. You want your colors, that is the gold uh, and, uh, or sorry, the the yellow and green of Oregon versus uh, the Colorado Buffalo colors. Those are the colors that matter. The ones on your uniform, your jersey that represent the university. Um, And this is, to me, one of the dangerous parts about turning sports into identity politics by any other name. And unfortunately, this is what's happened with identity politics writ large. And this is why it wasn't that surprising to me as I made the move into uh, talking more about politics because sports basically became political. The opinions that you were allowed to have were a function of what your race and gender were. And everything was viewed through the prism of race and gender. Uh, and I'll give you an example, by the way. If So Dan Lanning in Oregon's evidently racist for beating Colorado. Imagine what the reaction would have been if Jay Norvell was white. And he had said that about Deion Sanders and wearing baseball caps and wearing sunglasses or whatever. I, I, there's possibility that Jay Norvell would have gotten fired in the wake of the hit that happened on Travis Sanders. You guys think I'm crazy. If he was a white guy, that might have happened. And this is the problem with using the prism of identity politics to dictate what you think uh, of a game. The reality is this, okay? Colorado is having a good turnaround in year one under Deion Sanders. I think it's likely that they go 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five if everything comes together for them. I think they're going to lose to SC in the big noon game uh, on Saturday. That will then undercut a lot of the interest in Colorado. I also think that the question of how Deion Sanders is going to do going forward is going to be related to a large degree on how well he can do in the transfer portal because Colorado's not recruiting at that high of a level. Um, in fact, I meant to look this up, but I, but I do think it's important if you're talking about, okay, where is Dion's success going to go from here? It's going to be related to, uh, uh, to the transfer portal. Because the question is going to be, are they able to bring in a lot of different recruits? Right now in the composite, all right, 2024 recruit, recruiting class rankings, and admittedly, I am a total nerd. You guys know this. I love to watch and pay attention to the recruiting class rankings. Georgia, basically m- most of the 2024 classes are already set in stone. You got Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Florida 3, this is the composite, Alabama 4, A&M 5, Florida State 6, Oklahoma 7, Notre Dame 8, I mentioned how good Marcus Freeman is doing recruiting, Uh, Tennessee 9, LSU 10, okay? And all of those schools that I just ran through have 20 or more commitments, so by and large, most of the recruiting class rankings are kind of baked in because most people have 20 or more recruits, right? Things can still change going forward. But you have to scroll right now as we are sitting. Colorado is in the recruiting class rankings all the way down. I mean, this is kind of unbelievable when you look at how Colorado is recruiting relative to everybody else. I'm going to have to go back and see whether or not I missed them. Uh, but they are not anywhere near the top. 
And granted, look, all of the attention may be impactful and Colorado may be able to make a significant run in the closing stretch. But Dion's ability to get better, I think, is primarily going to come through the uh, portal more so than anything else. And again, I'm still scrolling, and Colorado, unless I'm missing something, is right now the number 75 recruiting class in the nation. Now, to be fair, they only have eight commitments, but where are all these recruits going to come from? Uh, Most of the time, you have already banked a lot of your top players. Colorado only has three four-stars committed right now. Again, they may be able to make a big run, but that's pretty wild to see them that far down the list uh, when you consider that most of the top programs have already got their recruiting done. So, Dion, I think 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, big jump from 1-11, but we're not going to see the kind of transformative uh, next step taken by Colorado unless probably they add some incredible talent from the transfer portal and right now they need it on the offensive line in a big way. FSU Clemson. Uh, Oregon, by the way, looks like one of the top teams in the Pac-12. We'll see. I'll give you my recruiting, uh, sorry, my overall outkick top 10 rankings in a minute. Uh, Florida State at Clemson. Clemson should have won this game. Death Valley was electric. Noon kickoff, even though it was early. Clemson should have won this football game. They're up, I believe it was 24-17. to They are driving. You get Cade Klubnik gets wrecked, doesn't see a blitz coming. His back may have missed picking up the blitz, but he gets hit dead on. Ball pops out. Florida State picks it up, scampers down the field, and scores. Then you've got a kicker that you brought in who wasn't even on the team last week that has a chance to basically win the game shanks it, relatively short kick. We go to overtime. Florida State hits a deep ball, one-on-one. Nice catch there. Uh, And then Clemson comes back. It's third and one. They've been running the ball all day, winning the line of scrimmage. Florida State could not run the football. And Cade Klubnik decides to step back, throws backwards. They get hit, lose a couple of yards, it's fourth down, they don't convert, boom, the game's over, Florida State is one on the road in Death Valley. But it's two straight weeks that Florida State has not looked that good. Um, And I've still got Florida State number one overall because they won at Clemson and because uh, they got the win against LSU. But we'll talk about that Arkansas-LSU game in a moment. To me, this was Clemson's game to win. Now that Clemson has lost, they're sitting at two and two, We've never really seen in a modern era, in the last 10 years or so, how a Dabo Sweeney coach team will do when they're effectively eliminated from winning the ACC division, uh, when they don't really have an opportunity to play, certainly for a national championship, when they're already dealing with a loss to Duke and a loss to Florida State. Uh, This feels like Florida State surpassing Clemson, at least for the moment, in uh, terms of top status in the ACC. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $20 on the Steel MS-162 or MS-170 Chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ole Miss. Ole Miss had this game to win. I still don't think Alabama's very good. Ole Miss misses a chip shot field goal on the final uh, field goal of the first half. Um, uh, final play of the first half. They go in uh, up 7-6. Bama comes back down, kicks the ball on third down. Messy drive goes up 9-7. And then Ole Miss was just not able. Now, I think Alabama's got a strong defense. I still think they have a pretty strong defense. I think the offensive line is a mess. Wide receivers, not the quality of skill position players that we've gotten used to at Alabama. Running backs, just okay. Quarterbacks, just okay. A lot of attention on Jalen Milrow. I think he's a small part of the overall talent uh, uh, issue that Alabama has right now. Uh, but this was, I think, Lane Kiffin having a really good chance to win this game. They couldn't get it done. Alabama wins and covers. I felt like Ole Miss had a real chance to win this football game. Um, Alabama now. Look, I don't think Alabama's very good. You know, there's only three undefeated teams in the SEC left. Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky. Who are you looking at in the SEC right now and saying they look head and shoulders better than everybody else? I haven't seen it. 11 teams have already lost. Uh, the top teams, whether it's LSU that you thought, Tennessee, Texas A&M, South Carolina, uh, 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 Auburn, whoever you want to point to that are traditionally at the top of the SEC uh, pyramid, Florida, they've not only lost, they've lost at least one game by double digits. Uh, I know Georgia's still undefeated, but Georgia's schedule is weak, and frankly, they haven't looked that great, even though they're sitting at 4-0. Um, so I look at Alabama, and I say, wait a minute, you got LSU coming to Tuscaloosa. You got Tennessee coming to Tuscaloosa. Auburn's not very good. Going on the road is not going to matter very much in that game. Who are you worried about? Arkansas, I'm going to talk about them in a sec. Maybe A&M? We'll see how A&M does against Arkansas this weekend. But I, I just look at this and say, I am not overly concerned if I'm Alabama. I think Alabama has a good chance to win the SEC West. I don't think they're very good. But we could see a wide-open SEC West. We'll see how Alabama does on the road against Mississippi State. A lot of Alabama's issues of late have been on the road, uh, but I'm just not sold that the SEC West or the SEC East and the SEC at large is very good this year. Uh, Arkansas LSU. I wanted to talk about this game's fabulous game. K.J. Jefferson played his balls off. Uh, the uh, What's the guy's name? Roz or Haas or whatever his name is. The, let me make sure I get his name right because he deserves for me to uh, to not screw up his name. The freshman tight end for Arkansas. Basically, LSU couldn't cover him all night long. Uh, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I don't understand why Arkansas didn't let LSU score late in this game. To me, that was an easy call. That wasn't remotely difficult. If you want to have a chance to win the game, you have to allow that to happen. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, Luke Haas. Luke Haas, uh, over 100 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns. LSU couldn't cover him all night long. K.J. Jefferson had a lot of success moving the football. You let LSU run the clock all the way down to like 10 seconds. K. 
kick an absolute chip shot, extra point style field goal, game was over. You never gave your offense a chance at all to go win this game. I just don't understand the decision that Sam Pittman made uh, with that going on. And to me, it was a failure. I think he led his team astray and did not give them the best chance at victory. Um, let me give you my top 10. Again, I only judge, I only judge based on games that have actually been played. Not what I expected to see, what I have seen on the field so far this year. With that in mind, Florida State's my best team. Uh, Florida State wins over LSU and on the road at Clemson, uh, Boston College as well. But I've got Florida State as the number one overall team in college football right now. Texas second best. They handled Baylor, no issues. They went on the road and beat Alabama by 10. Uh, I have got the Longhorns as two overall. Oregon, I know they hadn't really played anybody before this game, but the way they took it to Colorado, and remember, you can say Colorado's not that good, but Colorado had already beaten TCU on the road, and they beat Nebraska. Two solid wins. They got obliterated uh, by Oregon. I've got Oregon three, Utah. Utah's under the radar. They went on the road, I think, and won uh, against, uh, by the way, Oregon also beat Texas Tech, right? Uh, They went on the road, uh, Utah did, and beat, I believe it was Baylor. Uh, They got the win over Florida comfortably. They still haven't had Cam Rising play. Their defense is phenomenal. They shut down uh, UCLA, uh, got the win there. So I've got Utah four, Ohio State five. Look, they got the win on the road there. They went on the road and they beat Indiana earlier in the year. I don't think the Buckeyes offensively are very good, but they found a way to win on the road. And by the way, for you Notre Dame fans out there, I probably would have had U5 uh, instead of Ohio State if you had won this game. Penn State 6, they held uh, Iowa to, what, four first downs and under 80 total yards. Penn State is flying a little bit under the radar. They have been very good. Went on the road and won at Illinois. Dominated top 25 ranked Iowa. Uh, They beat West Virginia earlier in the year. That's three pretty solid wins. I've got Penn State at six. I've got Duke at seven. We'll see how Duke does this upcoming weekend um, as they get an opportunity against Notre Dame. They dominated Clemson earlier in the year. They have handled everybody so far. Uh, I've got Duke at seven, Miami at eight. That win in the fashion in which they did it over Texas A&M impressed me. I've got Georgia at nine. For all the Bulldog fans out there, pretend that you weren't the two-time defending national champs and pretend you were only judging Georgia based on the first four games they've played. Have the Bulldogs been that impressive? I don't think they have been. First half against uh, South Carolina, which is the best team they played, they looked downright bad. I've got Georgia at 9, and then Washington at 10, all right? Uh, All of those teams running through, I think, really intriguing uh, to to follow uh, and and think about. That is my outkick top 10 as we speak. SEC power rankings. I mentioned this a moment ago. There's only three undefeated SEC teams left, Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky. That's never happened by September 23rd to have every other, the other 11 teams, with at least one loss. That makes it a bit challenging to try to contextualize all this, but I've got Georgia 1, I've got Alabama 2, 
because I think the Alabama win over Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss didn't play very well, a solid SEC win. I've got LSU at three, bit wobbly there, but they went on the road and they dominated Mississippi State, uh, and then they got the win over Arkansas. I've got LSU at three, Kentucky at four, nice dominant win over uh, Vanderbilt. Opportunity for Kentucky to beat Florida. I think they will uh, on Saturday. I've got Ole Miss at five. Missouri at six. Missouri is 4-0. Nice win over Kansas State. But even at 4-0, they've been in a position where they basically could have lost any of these games. Uh, I've got Texas A&M at seven. They will now get will get a good read on A&M. They handled Auburn easily. Now A&M will play against Arkansas in what's always a crazy game. Then they get Alabama down in College Station. Remember, they won that game two years ago. We'll see how that one shakes out. Florida, I've got at eight, all right? Uh, I've got the Gators sliding in at eight. Not very good against Charlotte, but they whipped Tennessee. Weren't very good against Utah. We'll get a read on Florida at Kentucky. Again, I think Kentucky's going to win that game. Tennessee, I've got at nine. Uh, Tennessee will get a read on this weekend against South Carolina. Balls are a big favorite. I don't really get it. Double-digit favorite. I'm concerned Spencer Rattler is going to pick them apart. Uh, we'll see how all of that shakes out. Auburn at 10. Uh, South Carolina at 11. Mississippi State at 12. Uh, Arkansas at 13. Vandy at 14. Uh, all right, I did so much college football here. Uh, I'm looking down at the clock. Let's save all of the... Well, we're going to have a bunch of NFL tomorrow, too. Well, let's say this. Like, everybody's reacting right now uh, to this uh, uh, Taylor Swift-Travis Kelsey thing. I am a fan of Taylor Swift. I think she's going to end up being the richest musician in the history of music. I really mean that. A multi-billionaire... I don't know how much money she has now. She's going to be worth billions and billions of dollars, maybe $20 billion before all is said and done if she lives long enough to continue to perform like, for instance, the Rolling Stones are, okay? I don't see what she sees in Travis Kelsey, uh, but whatever. Good luck. You know, true love, I hope, uh, finds you all. My thing with Travis Kelsey is this. Him doing the Pfizer advertisement to me, is indefensible. I would not do an advertisement for the COVID shot. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do an advertisement. Uh, back in the day, they tried to get me to do advertising for vaping. I wouldn't do tobacco products. I wouldn't do an advertisement that I wouldn't have my own kids use. The data reflects my own kids. I've got a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a nine-year-old. I've got three boys. The data reflects that, first of all, I'm sure they've already had COVID because both their mom and I have already had COVID multiple times. They've never really had anything where I thought, oh, they definitely have COVID, but let's pretend that they did, okay? If that were the case, then I think this is really, um, uh, in my opinion, I wouldn't do an ad encouraging people to do something that I wouldn't want my own family to do, okay? I don't know what Travis Kelsey is being told on this, but there is no amount of money that I would accept 
to do advertisements on personal endorsements for Pfizer, Moderna, or any other COVID shot. This is troubling to me about Travis Kelsey in particular because he makes a ton of money. He's got more money than he can ever spend for the rest of his life. And they're trying to appeal to young people by running these ads constantly during NFL games. And the data reflects, again, look at the actual data. Young people, boys in teenage years, certainly younger than teenage years, like my nine-year-old doesn't need the COVID shot. Uh, Teenage years, 20s, 30s, there's no point in getting the COVID shot. In fact, the risk-reward for young, healthy men based on heart inflammation is actually more substantial on the risk side than it is the reward. And by the way, I think only like 10% of the United States population is going to get the new COVID shot, which means that like 90% of people agree with me. I would not do these ads. And I legitimately wonder whether Travis Kelsey knows anything at all about the data on these uh, shots. I question that he does. He's just a football player. He's probably not sitting around looking over data. But he's encouraging young, healthy men, which I imagine are the primary target that they would be trying to influence by doing these ads to get a shot that the data reflects they don't need because almost everybody's already had COVID and the risk factors for young, healthy men are actually more prevalent from the shot than they are from uh, not getting the shot at all. All right, so that is my analysis there. Washington Post came out with a poll. Trump has got a 10-point lead, according to the Washington Post poll. Now, they tried to say, we think this is an outlier. When you write an article about your own poll and you immediately say, well, we think this is an outlier, there's no basis for this, Biden's in trouble. Joe Biden is the worst incumbent president in any of our lives. And he's the least liked incumbent president of any of our lives. Back when Trump was running for re-election, Republicans actually liked Trump, by and large. You see people with Trump gear everywhere. You ever see anybody in a Joe Biden hat? You ever see anybody in a Joe Biden shirt? People didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Trump. The problem for Joe Biden now is election should be a referendum on the sitting president. Biden, listen to some of these numbers. These numbers are extraordinary. This is from the Washington Post poll. Um, and I, I'm reading directly from them. Uh, percentage of people who believe the economy is excellent or good, 25%. Percentage of people who believe the economy is not so good, poor, 74%. A percentage of Americans who believe gas or energy prices are excellent or good, 12%. Percentage of people, an 87% disagree. Percentage of people who believe that food food prices are excellent or good, 8%. 91% say not so good, poor. This is what inflation does. Inflation is a tax on lower income people. And I keep hammering this home. Every time I go to the fast food restaurant to shop, get food for my boys 
like Chick-fil-A I did on uh, Saturday after my uh, nine-year-old had a flag football game, over 50 bucks to get Chick-fil-A sandwiches for my three boys, my wife, and me. I can't get out of Chick-fil-A for under $50 now for my family of five. I can't go into the grocery store now and get out for under 200 bucks. This is a default tax. People say, well, inflation's only 3.7%. Yeah, but it's 3.7% on top of on top of the existing uh, 10% off last year, right? Like your food costs are up massively. So when the Biden people keep saying Bidenomics, it makes a lot of sense. No, everybody by and large has gotten a tax increase no matter what you make because your wages haven't kept pace with the cost of inflation. Uh, and here are some other things uh, that that come out. Um, Biden, according to the, uh, the uh, Washington Post, 37% approval rating, 56% disapproval. The economy, 30% approval. And the border, 23% approval. Joe Biden is in an absolutely disastrous position. I think whoever the Republican candidate right now will end up being is going to be Joe Biden. I really do. Uh, These Biden numbers are truly extraordinarily awful. Tomorrow, in addition to the NFL, remind me, I'm going to talk about Robert Menendez and the comparison between he and Hunter Biden. Maybe I'll get get to it on Wednesday. I want to do a deep dive on uh, the uh, indictment and the arrest of Senator Robert Menendez uh, on bribery-related charges, and I'll break it all down for you. All right. I love all of you. I'm going to go do my gambling picks now. Uh, Send in those picks. They'll be up early tomorrow morning on OutKick. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.